my one of my bigger like questions was um, during that time there was a lot of competition. It, like, you know, the RTS genre was booming. You know, Warcraft, Red Alert. How much did you focus or play other games and say, okay, I like this mechanic. I want to do something similar. Or like, I don't want to take this because then our thing becomes there. You, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, no, I had a question. Relic, Relic. I don't want to forget this. In the trailer, I don't know if you saw, there was a moment with a mask. I totally saw the Relic. Boy, I did. I picked up on that Relic. I was very excited to see the Relic. Okay, I, I, I figured. Cool. Really? You know? That's awesome. Yeah, she has the secret weapon that, that's good, though, because, like, my son rushed her town, and she's 10, so she's terrible. And so her response was really effective. She cried, <laughs> and, and his wife came in and made her ease up on her. good sandy welcome back to the podcast um hey. you are my number one most requested guest you are my most listened to guest so if i had some sort of trophy to send you i would but uh, i haven't made one up yeah. if we're ever at a convention together you, you can buy me lunch or something i'll buy you i'll buy you whatever you want a five course meal i don't it doesn't I'd say, matter I'd say buy me a drink but i don't i don't drink liquor so it wouldn't be very exciting to get me a diet dr pepper or whatever orange juice maybe with something i don't know we were talking about bad design, and then we got into Age of Empires 3 Warchief stuff. Yes, and we were just, and just to clarify, we were not talking just about bad design in games, though obviously that is, is and I, and I don't talk about, I'm not, we're not talking about bad design of making a crappy game, it's more bad interface or bad usability. Right. Uh, the principle where when you go to a door and you pull on it and it won't open, because the door didn't make it clear whether you should push or pull is a bad design. So I'm going to give an example where I'm the villain. This is from Age of Empires 3, the War Chiefs. So if you've played the War Chiefs, you will remember that the American Indian tribes had a, a special super um, research item they could do, which had a giant button in the interface. And that was my attempt to be a good designer by having a giant button that, you, that you'd know it was more important than the other research items. And you could, and you could punch it to uh, when you wanted to trigger that awesome research, okay. right? So we actually had a usability designer in the company as well, and uh, and she did tests on it, and she said my tests show that nobody can see the giant button, <laughs> and I said, but it's giant, and they say yes, it's so giant they don't see it as a button, they see it as like a picture a, or something. A, picture and, they, and they'll go the whole game and never push it and i'm like oh no but but i but i villainously didn't change it in time to make it into the game so the game went out with the giant button that people don't push and a lot of people are playing the american indian tribes at less than full capacity because they weren't pushing the giant button because they didn't realize they could because always had a nice piece of art that showed the um um uh the you know, something about that tribe. So it really did look like art. Maybe if we instead made it look uglier and had something like push to activate X, you know, or like a blinking of, something like a blink, maybe something that was obvious something you could push, you know, then I could have had the best of both worlds, but in the end I had the worst of both worlds. <laughs> and, um, some it, guy know. watching right now who's lost countless games with the with the war chiefs. He's like, God, <laughs> yeah. God damn. Yeah, sorry about that. That was my, that was my bad. 
So, uh, is there a lot of these like little regrets you have today that you think about? Cause like you were so passionate about these games and they were your existence for so many years. Like, do you ever look back like, damn, I wish we did this. I wish we, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I can, I can think of one right now, which is, uh, another one I have, which is, this is age of empires one. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and unit pathing. <laughs> what the unit pathing? I had nothing to do with <laughs> okay. unit pathing. That's all on the program. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry, it's partly on the programmers and partly on Ensemble Studios for thinking people will play the game at the number of units that we set as the default, which was 75. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Which everyone always went up to 250 or whatever the biggest number was. Right. We play these massive games that everyone had 200 characters, and of course it chugged the engine. That's right. why we said to have it at 75, guys. <laughs> and, so, and, and so we didn't realize all the ramifications of playing it with 200, one of which is that you have a million, billion villagers and your economies are a lot different than later on. You know, we never chopped down all the forests because we had 75 guys. You know, right. well, happened, the game ended. It's a different game. You were playing a different game, essentially. You were playing a different game. And when we got people in, to, and we also had a company culture, this is very early in my career as a as a balancer and playtester. Okay, so I, I'm not taking the full rap on this. Before this, I had only been in charge of balancing things like, um, well, I done I had done some work on Civilization. I had done it on Doom and Doom Two, but balancing a a uh, single player game like Doom isn't really the same, right? I mean, you don't have to balance Doom player to player because all the players are identical. Sure. It's yeah, there's a, it's a different level of balance, right? I sorry, but you were saying AOE one because some people gave me so much flack for interrupting you at like one point in the video. I want to make sure that I don't ever like lose okay. track of a so, topic. So it's age one, and and we play. So so to, so before I go back to my my regret, I'm going to talk about what one of the testing things that we did we did is that we didn't like the water that much. So we hardly ever played on, we often played on all land maps, not always. And that was just a company culture. It wasn't a, like any kind of moral thing. It just like, it was, we right. didn't have water that much. So, um, so one of the, and we, and when we did have water, we didn't realize how good fishing boats were. We never exploited the fishing boats. We always taught, treated them as like an adjunct. Let's make a couple boats to help our, to help with our early food supply. So we never realized just how mighty fishing boats were. So we brought in our first guy who was, skilled beyond our level who was mike kid later on got guys that were vastly beyond mike kid's ability too right, right. but my kid and he says you guys never get never do fishing boats sure i do i said i had five fishing boats the last game and he just like <laughs> he just like laughed at me right because of course you know make fishing boats right. you know and, and uh and, and then, and then he, he he noticed that we were playing at level 75 people, and he's like, I kind of don't want to tell you guys what, how to play it in the real world. I kind of want to keep this little museum sure. of what the game is like. But uh, anyway, so so we did we – did, I did figure those things out by age two and three, right? But Because uh, I kept being in charge of all the playtests. And in fact, I was playing um, – I was working really closely with the sheriff and the other – we had four like really good testers, uh, Maddie, you know, Meme and Maddie, and uh, the sheriff, and some other guys who were just top Age of Empires players. I'm sure, I'm sure, if you go out in the wild, you'll find someone better than them. But they're up at the top end, right? So uh, the sheriff, in fact, was and, and Meme and Maddie were the two guys that were at the top. Uh, the first. Uh, um, game. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole another. Yeah. Just before we're getting ready to release the thing, people are coming to me and saying, you know what? People are saying that the Shang are too good. 
Okay, everyone wants to be Shang, and the Shang are the Chinese. Wait, are the Shang the Chinese? <laughs> I did not do my yeah. AOE one yeah. research. As Shang are the Chinese. Remember, this is okay. Be fair. This is twenty eight years ago for me, right? Yeah. And the AJRS two, we just called them straight up Japanese and Chinese. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when the AJRS we had we called them the Shang and the Yamato. That wasn't my decision. So it was Shang because Yamato was the Japanese. So the Shang were too good, and it was and the reason that we all agreed was because. Their villagers were cheap. Okay, they had they had basically had crappy units. You know, they didn't have many upgrades, but they had cheap villagers, and that was an advantage in the early game. So the suggestion was that we make the villager. I think the villagers cost thirty five food in AOE two. Now that's like the Indians, I believe. The Indians have like a cheap villager discount. They get cheaper per age. Yeah, I mean, we did different things in different games, right? But yeah. in age one, it was age the Shang had the cheap villagers, and that was their thing. And so they went to me, it was all came down to me, and I had to make this decision in like one afternoon, <laughs> okay? Because it was about to go out. We said, should we change the Shang and make it instead of 35 food, make it higher? And, um, and, I, and I thought and I thought and I thought, and, I, and I, had, I had two demons on my shoulder, and one of the demons was saying, the game must be balanced so it's fun. And the other demon was saying, Big differences are fun. Tiny incremental differences suck. Right. And both those demons are the are angels with halos up. They're both the, they're both correct. They're both right? valid, right? They're both they're both, they're both, they're both the, so so. But I listened to the wrong demon, which I listened to the one that said big changes, big things are better. So I left it at thirty five, and um, instead of go inside, what I probably should have done is gone to forty. You know. Um, it was suggested it would be like 43 was the actual mathematical thing for the top players, but I didn't, but one of the secrets about age is we never worried about the top players because they're going to be aberrant anyway. We want the game to be fun for the majority of people, people that play it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but part, but of course the, the, these people are online, they're going to the forums. So they know what the top players say. So they think they're like a top player. <laughs> right. And, and like sense. some guy will come on and say, Oh, it says here that the horse archers are, are undefeatable. I say, yeah, sure. If you have the reflexes of a bat, <laughs> but for an ordinary guy, they're right. actually a unit because you can't control them properly right. with them. Right. But we don't tell them that because they don't like to hear that. Right. But anyway, so, so they, so they said, uh, so I said, nah, let's leave it at 35, I said. And, and that was the wrong decision in this case. But it was the judgment call, and what can I say? And then we went to the, uh, the, the big celebration at the Dragon's Lair in uh, uh, Seattle, which is the uh, which is uh, Wizards of the Coast. That's the, where they originated. That was their place. They weren't a company much yet, right? right? They, were doing, they were doing Magic the Gathering. That's cool. That's, That's actually where cool. I met Richard Garfield. And it turned out that he loved the stuff I'd done in the good old days. And I loved, so we both like spazzed out over each other. And yep. Yeah. I remember I was, you telling me, so that's how you met him. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah. um, so, so we were just all just, anyway. So, I, so, but so we had the four guys who were the top players in the country who were going to play for the rise of Rome. And the winner got a trip to Italy. That was to Rome, right? That was, that was the prize. That was the grand prize back then. Yes, and this is one of the very first prizes like this ever done for video gaming. This is the founding fathers of esports. Like this is the like the, the yeah, where they were birth esports. I mean, there'd be QuakeCon, <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't quite the same. This is the real deal, you know. 
at least in America. And and um, so these four guys are very excited. It's all being broadcast. And of course, the 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 uh, Microsoft uh, media crew is there, all very excited. So the all so so I'm sitting there and I'm all happy. And this is the game that I've balanced. Rise of Rome. I'm the author of the. Uh, Expansion, everything I made up. They come to me and they say, oh, they said, I said, okay, what, what's your sieves going to be? And the first guy said, I'm going to be Shang. And I go, okay. And the <laughs> next guy said, I'm going to be Shang. The third guy, Maddie said, I'm going to be Shang. Then the sheriff comes up and I said, what are you going to be, sheriff? She said, well, I'm thinking about the Greek. No, Shang. So, so the sheriff was hilarious, right? And he and I became like super good buddies when he finally came. He would, none of these work for us yet, right? And they all eventually we hired them on, but so they were all for Shang, and I was, and maybe no one cared but me, but but I cared. But th- this is the days where you couldn't patch games, right? So once you made that decision, it was pretty set in stone, yeah. or no? Yeah, no, it was set in stone. I mean, we could, yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I mean, we could we could release updates and fixes online that you could download and install onto your hard drive, but but it wasn't an auto update. You had to yeah. take. That and that meant that one person in a thousand did right right and then on online how did that work if you if you if they played online against each other would one person have the update the other one wouldn't or was there was there was no online right or i don't even know how they fixed that no of course there was online stuff where they did the first one the uh well sure i mean we were doing that in the in the in the battle we had for the guys to go to Rome. Okay, okay. You got to remember that, makes that sense. I'd already, I don't. Doom had already come out. Yeah, yeah, Everyone's yeah. Online now, right? Because Doom is the game that made that happen, and uh, I'm very proud to have been part of Doom. And I will also say now that with Doom, we. Oh, by the way, the way they did it was you all had the same update. Okay. And it would tell you if you didn't have it. Ah. Uh, so, okay. so you either had to roll back your update or get the other guys to download it. The reason I don't know this is because when I, my first real online game was like StarCraft 2. When I moved to Canada, I was like 7, so it was like 2001. So I, when I lived in Serbia, we didn't play online competitive games of any kind. It was like, you were lucky to have a computer. So for me, I, AoE 1 is blurry because I wasn't there for the history. I wasn't, I was, I joined for AoE 2. Well, here's some history of online gaming then. So, um, so in 1991... Uh, Dan Bunton, later Daniel Barry, um, I was the developer for his uh, game uh, Command HQ. Okay. And Command HQ was, uh, uh, in fact, really the first RTS. I mean, you can may find other things that you can claim, it, but this is the first real like RTS game. It was the whole world, and you'd move around in the world, control units. It was, it was real time. Now, you could pause the game. Right to think for a while, then go back in and do it, which you could also technically do in Age of Empires. Just right, but uh, but you could, but uh, you had tanks and airplanes and subs and carriers and different things doing stuff. We even had a, a version of the game where the map was hidden. You had you explored it, even though it was Earth. You didn't know where the stuff was. You captured resources, and Dan made it so it would be, you could play it head to head. Now, of course, it's ninety one. It's with a modem, right? Right. And Dan's argument was. It's way more fun to play as a human, which is absolutely true. He was always a leader in getting trying to go head-to-head play. Okay, and of course, no one ever played head-to-head. Um, and, and, he, and he said, sixty-five percent of people have a modem. They can play this, and gamers are probably likelier than other people, so they could, in fact, play this head-to-head, and it's super fun that way. And we played it that way at the office to try it out, and it was super fun. And his AI was actually fairly sucky because he was so focused on on playing against a human. Okay, so we launched this game and put it out there, and it 
in effect bombed. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I mean, it made back enough money to pay my salary and Dan's salary, but it wasn't a giant success. People, even with sixty five percent of having modems, they weren't ready because, of course, modems. You know how you have, you had to dial up the modem and had to go. It was a pain with the shriek, you know, and then then yeah, and then it drops your packets and right. Um, so so it didn't work. So I go to id software and we're doing Doom and we set it up on our on our in uh, our in house network to uh, play Doom head to head. And lo and behold, that was like a really fun way to play. But we all agreed. I told them about my experience with Command HQ and they all agreed. Oh yeah, no one's ever going to play it head to head. That'll be like five percent, two percent of the people will play it head to head. That was our logic, right? But. One of the other things that it did is we didn't do things in the game based on uh, like the most commercially viable thing. At least we didn't think we were. Uh, we were doing things based on what was fun. We were trying to do something. Something I've never forgotten is if you make the game <coughs> that you yourself really like, ignoring what the, the the suits or the marketing gurus say, then there should be enough people that are weird like you to buy it. Right. So we made the game we really wanted to play, which was Space Marines against Demons and then with a head-to-head mode. That almost, I mean, that extends to all other things too, right? That extends to content, your music, whatever you really want, right? It doesn't... The bland corporate stuff is not the thing that makes a huge hit. Right. And there's so many of these companies that are out to find this magical formula for... They look at the magical formula and they just fail. A good example is, I was watching a video today about the Aragon franchise. Remember that? Aragon? Remember how you don't care about the Aragon movie? You can barely remember it. <laughs> it <was laughs> totally soulless corporate. I, Am I wrong? I totally no. I don't. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, this is. It was totally an Aragon movie. There was a big book. There was a movie with dragons and magic and an evil king <clears throat> and, and and John Malkovich. Malkovich you know, was in it. He's in it. And, and, I love and Malkovich. He was. He was <laughs> I love him too. Jeremy Irons is in it, and he's the one good guy in it, right? And everyone, <laughs> oh yeah, I know this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no one remembers it because it was terrible corporate crap, right? As as, as to compare J.K. Rowling when she was trying to do the Harry Potter books, she wasn't trying to do corporate crap, right? She got rejected like a billion times, right? You know, and finally got it done, and then she kept creative influence over the movies, which I don't know how much of that was good and bad, but. Overall, it made it be her vision still. Anyway, so so in Doom, we said, we're going to have head-to-head play, even though it's stupid, because it's fun for us. And we can play it that way. And then we had some exciting things happen, which I've talked about in other videos, but I'll talk about to you. So John Carmack only likes to program things that are fun for him. Really? And he's busy, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's like that now, but back in the 90s, that was his thing. Right. But he loved 3D. He always cared about 3D. So... So he didn't, but he didn't want to do networking code. So we contacted a guy, I think he was in California, um, who was an expert networker and said, come work for us and do our networking code. He said, oh, no, I got to finish my job here, but I'll come work for you when I'm done. And while I'm here, I'll tell my boss and I'll work part time on your networking code for which you'll pay me $20,000 or whatever. Some huge, pretty good sum for three months work. Right. right. And then I'll give you the networking code. And uh, then I'll come work for you. So we're sitting there, and it's two weeks before we're supposed to release Doom. It's like the first of December, and we're trying to release it before Christmas. <laughs> and we and we got no networking code to to, ins- to put in our stuff, and and because you know it requires some degree of testing, right? Sure. 
Yeah. So we, so we called the guy's company. And remember, he told us his boss knew he was leaving to come work for us. It was all okay with him. So I've heard the story, them. and I, I want to let you finish, but I also have a question about this story. Uh, okay. so we called them. Okay, so first of all, if your question is, like, how could we be so stupid? The answer <laughs> is it, it was amazingly amateurish, okay? That was not uh, my question, but that's a good question. I should have okay. thought of it. <laughs> and I got a story about the amateurish thing, too. So we, the amateur hour thing, too. So we call them up, and the boss says, oh, you mean, I don't remember the guy's name. I'll call him Fred, okay? Okay, Fred. So, so, so uh, oh, you mean Fred? We go, yeah, where's our networking code? He says, Fred says he's going to go work for you? We said, yeah, didn't he tell you? He said he did. He says, oh, you know what? Fred's a really good programmer, but he's also a pathological liar, and he's not ever leaving here. We know he's not. You can talk to him if you want, but he just totally lied to you and took your money in and pocketed it. My and question so, like, was to that. Like, who is the boss that knows he's hiring a pathological liar, and how valuable does this guy have to be to maintain his spot with that knowledge? That's something we never found out, but it <laughs> does raise questions, doesn't it? <laughs> was this guy like a savant? Like, he must have been something nephew? special. Yeah. Nephew? <clears throat> Did he have photographs of the do- of the boss having sex with a cow? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe right? he was just that good. Maybe he was just that good. We, I mean, I've worked with lots of I've worked with dysfunctional programmers who were really good and it were still dysfunctional not one that was a pathological liar yeah that's a that's a big risk to take one silas warner who when he went to convention he wrote science fiction and when he went to conventions he went by a different name the name his pen name is the author and if you talk to him called him silas he'd shut you down he wasn't silas he was this other guy at the convention and um so by the way this guy is the person that that designed the original um the network, the, Fred? The, no, the, the, this is not network, Fred. This is a different guy, Silas oh. Warner. Uh, Silas Warner designed the original uh, Wolfenstein, not the 3D one. Oh. The original one. Right? The first one. The very the first, first one. one. Wow. The very first one. And he also designed the, um, I, I can't think of the name of the game, but you program robots. You program robots. Uh, it's like Robo Rally, but on a computer. But it is before Robo Rally. Where the, 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 he said, go forward, turn right, go left, shoot. And then you're trying to fight that. I can't, Robo Wars, I think it was called. Yeah, okay. I don't know which one it is, but it sounds very familiar. That sounds... Yeah, it's all stuff for like 1988, right? So yeah. anyway, so dysfunctional. Anyway, back to our guy. So anyway, there we are. Two weeks before Dune's release. We have no network code. This guy's not going to give us any. Maybe we could launch a lawsuit against him. But What's no one would do? want to do that yeah. because we were stupid. and Because um, it's not like we're taking any time from us. We just hire a lawyer. And um, but we still felt poor because we our previous game we're making money off is Wolfenstein 3D. So we aren't actually rich guys. Well, you said like you have to have a you know a hit every one year, right? Like you have this amount of money that you make, which you use to fund your next project, yeah, right? So you're always right. juggling. Yeah. And that money is going away. And when you hire new guys to make the next thing bigger, that makes the money go away faster, and you don't have yet that next big hit. You're That's at the like, casino putting money down on red every time. Right. And so and so you can go to the light side or the dark side, and the dark side is EA firing the team as soon as the game comes out, so they don't have to pay them anymore. Right. And that's, that's and that's that's just wrong, right? Yeah, that's um, pretty but on the other hand, if you go into EA knowing they're gonna do that, then you can like, Sure, sure. You can use I, it to I your advantage. Recommend my single uh, uh, students at SMU for game development. I would say if you get a job offer from EA and you're not married, absolutely go there. It looks great on your resume. Everyone figures you've seen the worst. You'll learn a lot. Just don't expect to stay there because they're yeah. they'll fire you. Yeah. You know, get what you can out of it and then leave. 
anyway, so so John Carmack took, like I said, we got to have networking code. So basically, our networking code was was super, super terrible. And what it did, I forget the exact way it worked, but essentially, you'd be on a network, and everything that was playing Doom would send packets out to every other server, every other uh, computer on the network, and get packets back. So like, so if you had four servers, that was four times four, 16 every second. Then if you had 100 servers, it was 100 times 100, 10,000. Then if you had, you see how it goes it's up. It's an overload eventually. It's an overload. And so this crashed um, uh, uh, mostly college systems all over America and it got banned everywhere within a couple weeks, within a month. Why was you, it even able to, how did schools even allow it to be played in the first place? Was well, this, well, no one had ever had a game like this. No one had ever had a head-to-head game. Right. Just, there's no rules against having one. Right. Now it's, it's like you can't go on a school computer and even install like an add-on for Chrome. Like they have so much. Well, yeah, I know that's crazy, right? But but these are their own personal computers or the company. Anyway, so it crashed all the systems, so it got banned. But the thing is, it's not that we had crappy networking code. It's that we had a genius programmer that only had two to make and incorporate networking code it, which and he wasn't an he wasn't particularly expert at networking so really the fact that worked with well is great so what happened it, 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 like I, we realized it was not going to fly we hired an actual good networking guy to go in there and like and like a real code. system yeah yeah it was a real system so we did that so that was the uh thing so the other thing i was going to so it was gonna, oh it is it's uh amateurishness okay so we need an artist right and we need specifically a 3D artist because our artists, Kevin Cloud and Adrian Carmack, are 2D artists. Great at textures, you know, fabulous at textures, in fact. But, you know, they don't do they don't build 3D models. I mean, they could learn how to do it, but you know. Right. That's a waste of their expertise. It's kind of a waste of their time, right? And uh, so we so we call this guy, hey, you're an artist, right? And he goes, You bet. So we fly them in. And at the at the let's meet this guy luncheon, we say, "So tell us about your three D work." And he and he's like, "Oh, I don't do three D work at all." <laughs> and we're like, "What?" So we flew him back on the next plane. Did you cancel the like the luncheon right there that minute? No, we finished the luncheon and laughed about it. It wasn't his fault, right? Right. Then Kevin Cloud said afterwards, "We're in software." We don't use a phone. We send a plane. <laughs> you know, it was so stupid. <laughs> From that point on, at least one phone interview before you fly him out, I hope. And ask the relevant question. <laughs> yeah. Hey, are you the thing we're looking for or not? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? So anyway, it was... Uh, it That's was... <laughs> pretty funny. I, I, had, uh, I finally did a little bit of research on AoE 1 and AoE 3 because that was something I was very ignorant on because i didn't play those games as much so i do we have were a super, super proud of aoe3 it took a long time to make it fun but we finally did yeah i had a question about okay so let's sure let's get some aoe3 questions that i had for you the um deck building mechanic is that inspired by any chance by like games like magic where you can create a deck you know pre-game that would suit a play style or uh, in a sense, what it was real more like is not like Magic the Gathering, because of course in Magic Gathering you do build a deck, but you build you do it before the game, and every game you build a new deck. Yes. And whereas this is this is a uh, persistent deck. It's more like character advancement, like it, like from uh, 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 World of Warcraft or something, where okay. you have a you have a skill tree you're going through. That's kind of what we were emulating. Was the system okay? The other question I had was um. I wanted to give you a reason to play the same Civ again 
or multiple sieves to get all the stuff and, and, and do different things. That was the goal. Yeah, I mean, magic in a sense is kind of like that because you have different decks, right? Except you, you're, they're physical decks, so you have to swap them out. Whereas here, yeah, you, you have them you in... Really decks for the game. You, right. like, you, know, you have your five or ten decks that you know. Right, okay, yeah. And the, and the HQ um, stuff, was that like from older games like um, Heroes Might and Magic where you would go back to your like town center and upgrade your little castle have different kinds of units do you, do you have you played magic uh heroes mind magic yeah turn-based um game from like yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you talking about the uh, the home city thing yeah the history? home city okay so the home city came uh, that was i can't remember who came up with that if that was but it was probably a combination of us me and 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 jeff and and uh and everyone and so what happened is that part of the problem we have with age three in age one we start off with a town center and some villagers because it's the stone age and there's no humans, right? Then in, in age two, we start off with a town center and some villagers because of course, when the Romans collapse, everyone dies is kind of the conceit, right? We start yeah. from scratch. Okay. Well, age three, that's not how it is. There's giant, powerful nations. Already the, set up. Already set up. Right, right. So, uh, so the idea we had was Deathstrom's idea was that we would, um, he was the lead designer. Is that, I, I, I do know his actual name, but it's not coming to mind. So Death Shrimp is what I'm going to have to call him because that's <laughs> what his handle was, right? So, uh, so Death Shrimp said, said, we'll colonize the new world. Then we will have a reason to start from scratch with the town center. Right. And then someone, and I don't remember who, remember this is a long time ago, 20 yeah, years ago, yeah. said, let's have a home city. And we'll build up the guy like a like a like a character in uh, uh, in a role playing game, you know, like texturing up right. and get things, and then you can get shipments from the homes from the home city by getting fame. Fame is how you earn the shipments, right? And you're trying to get fame and getting more shipments. And so the home city, then the home city became this whole separate thing that you could kind of in, invest in, you know. A, and, yeah. and uh, so it became this. It, you had a persistent. A uh, character you were playing, which was a new thing that had never been done, we felt in uh, uh, in the franchise. Age franchise. But like, it was done before in like Warcraft, right? Warcraft three, where you have this hero unit. But that it's different because in Warcraft, that hero unit was so powerful eventually, right? That it almost m mitigates uh, yeah, the army, it, right? It up the interactions. Yeah, I didn't like that at all from Warcraft. That no, was we didn't, we didn't like it that much either. But in Age three, the home city didn't mess up your interactions. You you got useful things. So, oh, I'm going to get these special mercenaries now. Yes. But it right. didn't. That might give you one good attack on the enemy's base, right? But it didn't change the game forever, you know. And then you have to decide: okay, should I get should I get um, the thing from the home city that gives me some villagers early on, or should I get a bunch of wood? And it was an actual choice. And even after you'd built your deck, so to speak, you still had choices of which shipments to take. Right. It gave you a lot of options, which is very interesting. We're trying to give you lots of choices, not just have because you don't really get choices with the with the your Warcraft three guy. You just like yeah. I mean, you have, then like he is what he is, and he goes and kills stuff. Yeah, he'll always have the same set of abilities, right? Like he doesn't. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm not at Warcraft three guy, so I don't know. You can, you can get different abilities, as I recall, but it doesn't matter. Once you've got them, they're there. You don't like if you built up your city in age three, you now can say I can look. I've got wood. I've got uh uh old and i've got uh villagers i could ship or i could have some mercenary raiders which i get in my first shipment and and, and the, our hope was that there wouldn't be one correct answer and 
<laughs> the players would be would, different situations would lead to different things. What about the other thing I had was uh, treasures because treasures are something I've seen in old RTS games, even like in Red Alert, Red Alert Two. You'd have those like if you remember those crates, you would well, walk over them and you would like the relics, right? Well, relics too, but like treasures are different. No, or treasure. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, my AO3 the stuff is not totally based off the creeps in uh, in Warcraft. Okay, interesting. That's, totally our version of the creeps. That's another big question I had was during that time. Well, let me tell you what they're for. Yeah, please. Our, the purpose of the game is that in the early game of Age of Empires, Age of Empires 2, Age of Empires 3, once you've played it for a while, it's not that interesting to run the early economy up to where you get to do things. I mean, it's okay, but it doesn't say hold your attention every single second. So, And we had these cool scouts. We had these scout characters in Age 3 that were a little better. So it basically, it gave the scout something interesting to do. It oh. gave you another, oh, should I take some, vill- I, I, there's some bears over here with the treasure. Should I take some villagers and kill them and get the treasure? Or should I leave them working there and just save up for later? I got And also gave you something to do, for example, when you were teching up. Like right, the like day. the downtime. It was all attempts to give you more things to do. Interesting. Okay, I never thought about that. And, uh, and, and the thing is, you can totally ignore it. It's not required. Right. But it's it beneficial to not. It's beneficial to not ignore it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's useful yeah. to fire. Yeah, a pirate ship. Let's get the pirates. Get their gold. You know, and so and so you could actually have a have a player playing such that he is trying to get those. And then, then of course, when the American Indians come in with the war chiefs, which was my, which was I was the lead on that expansion. We gave them. We gave them war chiefs who were like a super powerful version of the scout. And uh, right. and they could kick ass with that early stuff. Which also, which also you see in, uh, which was a development really from uh, Age of Mythology, where the Egyptians had the pharaoh. Right. And he could do that. My One of my bigger, like, questions was, um, during that time, there was a lot of competition. It, like, you know, the RTS genre was booming, you know, Warcraft, Red Alert. How much did you focus or play other games and say, okay... I like this mechanic. I want to do something similar. Or like, I don't want to take this because then our thing becomes there. You, do you know what I mean? Like, okay. So the designers were very key on having everyone in the company know what's going on with other people. Okay. So we would actually have presentations to the whole company where we'd show them a game like Dominion, which wow. I view, view as largely a failure one, or Sorcerer, which we view as kind of a success, a weird success, but a success. And we'd show them other people's game. We never did this for like Warcraft or Starcraft. You figured if they don't know about those, they, <laughs> they probably right? shouldn't be working here. <laughs> okay. But we'd actually have things where we'd say, look at this other guy, look at this other guy's game. Check it out. Look what they're doing. Like, what are they doing that's good? What are they doing that's bad? What can we take from this? Right. Useful for us. Even from games have, that weren't as successful, you could take some mechanics that, like, wow, this is amazing. Why didn't yeah, we think of this? We talk about, like, Dominion, we, we regarded as largely a failure. But but we got it and we said, okay, Dominion is, is a flop as an RTS game. But look, it has this good thing. It has this good thing. It has this good thing. Let's keep that in mind for the art, for the, for the, for the scripting, all that kind of stuff. So we would actually do that. Now, part of the reason that we did that, I was one of the – I wasn't – I'm not even going to say I was the main guy behind it, but I was one of the guys behind it. But one of the reasons I was very interested in it is because it, id Software had a super deadly case of not invented here, NIH, where anything that didn't come from inside your company is bad and inferior and you shouldn't look at it. It's blasphemous. So like id Software would sit around and talk about how terrible Unreal is 
Oh, Unreal's a terrible engine. He says, why is it terrible, I would ask. And they said, well, instead, you, you carve your, your uh, level out of a big block instead of building it with planks. And I'm like, okay, so their level never has leaks in it then, right? And he goes, well, no, but it's not, it's, it's, it's the wrong way, right? It's bad. And I would do things, I would say, look at this cool Unreal level. It's like, it's like you're, uh, you're on a train. And you fall off the train, you die. How amazing is that? We can do that. They go, oh, well, you know, we're, we're the real deal. They're just copying us. And they would never listen to anything anyone was doing. So it's like Serious Sam came out and like totally punked us in terms of fun. Right. And uh, and we just like, we just didn't want, we, we thought we were so great that we couldn't learn from anyone else. That's and unfortunate. So, and that was, I, I agree with that. Where do you think Doom 3 came from? Right. Right. So, so that was, that was so dire that uh, that in software, not a, uh, not id at Ensemble Studios, me and Mark and some other guys made Mark Toronto, who now works, I think, at Microsoft. We made we made sure that that wasn't going to take hold there, and we've already it was the designer's job to do it because the programmers have their blinkers on, and the artists more than anyone else have it have it are NIH guys, and it's not their fault. They have to be that way. Um, to, to be able to have the confidence to do their job, right? Right. Kind of the same principle as uh, every Air Force pilots, if they have any skills at all, every Air Force's pilots think they're the best. And rationally, obviously, they can't all be at best. Someone must be the best, you know? I mean, probably it's the Israelis. But, uh, <laughs> right. but it's good but, to have the confidence. <laughs> but, but if you don't have that confidence, then you not only, even though you're not the best, you will be among the worst if you don't have the confidence, right? So if Chinese pilots ever go up against Americans, which I pray never happens, if the Chinese don't re- don't think of themselves as being the best when they go in, they're going to lose a lot worse than if they do. There was a thing in us. I was watching a Netflix documentary with about this, like these great coaches, and this tennis coach was um, coaching Serena Williams, who was playing at Wimbledon. She was doing really bad coming to the net, right? Like her, mm-hmm. he was horrible. And he came to her one practice and he said, "Hey, you're really good at the net. You're doing really well." And she's like, really? I thought I was doing bad. And he pulled out a fake piece of paper. He's like, no, no, you're winning like 80% of the shots when you go to the net. And she's like, no way. He's like, yeah, yeah. Maybe you think in your head, maybe you're doing worse than you are, but you're actually, he walks away the next day. She starts going to the net and sure enough, she starts doing 80% like wins at the net. What's the magic feather? You've seen Dumbo. Yes. Yeah. Remember the magic feather? Yeah. That that double That's supply, right? But here's the problem. See, as a game company, you have to have the magic feather in one hand and the not invented here problem in the other. You right. can't just have the magic feather, and that's what it did. We just had the magic feather. Interesting. So that means we were doing things that that we were failing at times. Instead of just having confidence, we were like blustering. Right. You know, you have to also be, and it's okay to recognize that other companies can do good things. You know. For one thing, it enabled us to, at, at Ensemble Studio, we could hire people from other companies without thinking that company was bad. You know, like we hired away um, the, the head uh, um, tester from uh, the Ion Storm Games, which was, uh, of course, the, game, the company that had Dai Katana, which was a terrible bomb. But uh, we figured this guy, if he'd, if he'd been the guy in charge of testing Dai Katana, then either he knew his drill really well and he'd seen the worst right. or he was sucked. And we talked to him and it turned out he knew his drill really well. And he explained to us again and again, how, like how and when things went wrong in Daikatana. And he had a really good analysis of how it had gone wrong. Fascinating. So we took him on Alex Quintana. I don't know what he's doing now, 
But uh, so if I a system I... fails, that doesn't necessarily mean all the components in the system are bad, right? That's that's, that's right. kind of the. Well, he literally got over overridden. Like one of the things that was happening, and this is see John Romero, for example, at Doom, he's a very enthusiastic, very positive thinking guy, which is really good. He's got he's that magic feather guy, right? In the best way possible. But he also tends to be a little short sighted. We had guys like that at Ensemble Studios too. Don't get me wrong; there were some guys at Ensemble Studios that were amazingly short sighted, and they were just like, if they lost the most recent fight, then it was wasn't their fault. It was something wrong with the balance that lost them because they obviously were perfect, right? Yeah. So now, now John Romero wasn't like that. But what he would do, he he would play the game. He really, really loved the rocket launcher. So Quintana and the other testers would balance all the weapons so that every single weapon, because it's not supposed to be like a best to worst weapon in Doom, right? Or like it's supposed to be like every weapon has its position, has its place. Okay. Sometimes the shotgun's better. Sometimes the machine gun's better. Sometimes the rocket launcher's better. Sometimes sure. the plasma. Each have us have times they're good to use, right? And depending and so, on your skill set, I assume, or depending what you're good at, right? Where you're fighting, where you are, what the situation is. If you're in narrow, cramped halls, maybe the rocket launcher is not so great, right? <laughs> right. Um, if you're trying to snipe something at a long ways, the shotgun may not be your choice. Sure, right? sure, sure. That too. But, yeah. Uh, so, so that was the idea. So they balance every weapon, so they all work perfectly or good. Then John Romero would play it and say, "Oh, the the um." Uh, and this is from Alex Santana. He'd say the the uh, rocket launcher isn't good enough, and he'd double its damage right there. Boom. That seems excessive. <laughs> well, that's what he do, and and then and then they they'd send to another month, carefully rebalancing everything again so it all worked. Then John would play it and said, "Ah, not good enough," and he doubled it again. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so that's like, so much work for such. Yeah, I know, I know, right? But uh, but uh, I I think. John Romero, who I loved working with, I think he was better at id than he was in Iron Storm. And I knew I do this with not with no iota of proof, having not been at Iron Storm, based on the fact that at id software, he couldn't just do whatever he wanted. Everything was was like there was give and take. Right? People would say, Oh, you need to do this. There's always there was counterbalances. I mean, I was I wasn't an owner, I was a lowly minion, but I could argue John Romero out of things. Interesting. You know? He respected me because I knew a lot about games, but the, I don't think there was anyone at uh, Dyke at uh, Iron Storm that was doing that. So he just like, you know, John Romero has his own studio right now, right? Is that correct? Uh, or he's working on his own games at least. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure what he's doing now. Because um, he's a guy I've wanted to talk to for a bit, but I need to do a little more research on Doom. And I, for me as a kid, I, to be truthful, I played the most. I think of Duke Nukem actually. I don't know if that upsets people that made Doom, but uh, he is working with Adrian Carmack to work on a first-person shooter. They were looking for a Kickstarter campaign, and it failed. I didn't know Adrian Carmack is coming back. That's awesome. I love Adrian Carmack. He's like my favorite. He was like my favorite guy. I did, um, and he had retired to Ireland. So it looks That's like a great place to retire. Yeah, it looks like uh, especially Empire because artists in Ireland don't have to pay taxes. So if you can prove you're an artist, like an author or someone like really? that, someone, yeah, really, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, so I guess I should retire there. I yeah, to... I was gonna say, uh, I've been to Ireland. You should definitely go. It's it's awesome. Like it's a good place to retire. Wales, um, which Wales does not give you any break on taxes. <laughs> anyway, they were trying to get m money for their Kickstarter campaign, and it was canceled in the 40s after its launch. So I think he is not working with anyone right now. He's just on his own, kind of floating around. When I try to. <laughs> He never has to work again if he doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. When I tried to reach out, they were saying he's working on his own project, so maybe they're just being oh, nice. Yeah. 
But he, but like, he, I don't think he has back. And maybe he's trying to find backing for it. You know, I mean, he has he has a he has a record of sometimes great successes and sometimes like uh, famous failures. So it's tough to replicate cool. success, right? It's so it's your your byproduct almost of your own. It's you're too successful sometimes. It's so hard to repeat that. Yeah. Um, I had I mean, a bunch. Time has not been kind on everyone that worked at, at Ed. Sorry, you know, Adrian Carmack retired, and that's fine. Yeah, uh, uh, like a lot of the guys that used to be at Id were, were demoted to lower ranks. They still got the same salary, you understand? So they had no more cause to complain. Like John Carmack was put down like a regular programmer down in the trenches, and, fi- and finally he like he just quit and went off, and he was doing great at Oculus, you know. Right. But uh, um, I had a bunch of random smaller questions. One of them, I was talking I- to an AOE player. Um, she's one of the best female AOE players in the world, actually. So she was very fond of your work and, and was really happy that we talked. But, uh, is it true that unit dying sounds were recorded by dropping a pot off a table? <laughs> I don't in know. Which, this is a, in which uh, AOE two. It might be. What happened with AOE two is that our sound guys, uh, Stephen Rippey and, and Kevin, they went to, uh, they went to uh, Seattle, and they did the sound there. What do you mean, and, Seattle? They just went to a studio or something, and and the Microsoft Studio. Oh, they, okay. Not only that, they I mean they hired a full orchestra, the Seattle Orchestra. Really? That's who they did it for. Yeah, they had a they had a legit full orchestra to do the music for Age of Empires. That's why their music is so timeless and so good. Yeah. Right? You know, is that great? They weren't just trying, they weren't just doing it all with the uh, synthesizers. They had that. They came back and did it with synthesizers. We built a room in Ensemble Studios, a, sound, a soundproof room with like the, the rubber styrofoam cones coming out of the wall so it didn't have any sound. And they'd play music in there. We'd hire, we have, we'd have voice actors come in to do the voices. I remember we had one guy come in and say, hey, we need a guy to do a, uh, a Welsh accent or a Gaelic accent because we did the Celt guy who brought him and says, can you do any others? And he says, I can do a Mongolian accent. Says, <laughs> no way. From heaven. <laughs> you know, because of course you can't find a Mongolian guy, right? <laughs> right. I just assumed you guys got like bored and started experimenting and like the developers had some voiceover work and. No, no, we, we hired, we like, we got, well, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have a guy that spoke Nahuatl, but we had a, a professor tell us how to pronounce these Nahuatl words. Wow. For the Aztecs, yeah. So we were doing everything, you know. We, we were, we were. It was so professional compared to its software, which was great, genius. It was that was fire in a pan, right? But like an example, in its software, when they when they did Wolfenstein 3D, which I was not there for, it was that was all like John Romero and those guys like saying the German voices, <laughs> and they were so garbled that when I went to Germany, they asked me what the SS guys were saying when they got killed. <laughs> we could understand. It. I said he's saying Schutzstaffel. Right, SS, and they go really because we couldn't understand it at all. The only thing they could understand that if Germans was my Lieben when they get <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but but uh, but we did it all right. In uh, one thing we did in Age of Empires two that was I think kind of amusing is that for some reason and probably because Age of Empires one, no one spoke English. Right. So in Age two, we didn't want them to speak English because it sounded wrong and silly to us to have someone speak English. So the French speak French, Japanese speak Japanese, German speak German, Teutonic Knights speak German, but the Englishmen, the, the English can't speak English. So we gave them old English. So they say things like chopping, you know, because yeah, 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 yeah. right? it just sounded wrong to us. 
but uh, but I, you know, it would so seem out of place uh, almost, right? It would seem out of place. It, it, it seemed out of place. But I suppose if you're an Arab playing a Saracen, they just speak Arabic. Wouldn't so notice. You would you would you wouldn't know that we were offended by a guy speaking English, but we were. That's pretty funny. Um, F- Flying Storm Dog was a uh, puppy. Was was to commemorate, commemorate a puppy that was rescued by one of a one of the developers during a thunderstorm. We had was that in age two? This is age two. Yeah, these are age two things. So 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 here's so here's the deal with the uh, with the cheats um, in in all the age games, and for that matter, um, in uh, Doom and every company I've ever worked for. Okay. What happens is that early on the designers go to the uh, the the programmers and say we need to be able to clip through walls. We need to be able to not be killed. We need to be able to we, we the things we needed for testing. Right, right. And then the programmers would put those in for us. So, so you can push the game to its limits or whatever to test whatever if you needed. To, if I needed to skip through a bunch of battles to go somewhere, I could just do it. Right. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I can't be killed, so I don't have to worry about that. Sure. Because I'm doing testing. Okay. So so then but then okay one of the things that's true about a game is that is that the programmers are working from the start of the project to the very end either designing it or fixing bugs the designers have a little less to do near the very end of a project we still have stuff to do there's slightly less than the programmers so usually what we do is we're planning for the next project so that by the time everyone else is off the previous game they can jump right onto um uh the conquerors or whatever we're doing right so designers are doing the next project, but the artists can't go on to the next project and their stuff is done. They don't really have bugs like programmers do. So the artists are just basically they are doing they're doing two things. They're sitting around playtesting the game, looking for being extra playtesters. OK, maybe doing some concept art for the next game and thinking up cheats. What a fun role switch for them. That I've done. I'm from Canada, so I've made the laser bear. <laughs> with the Canadian flag on it, right. and uh, and we want to put it in the game. Or the guy says, "I got my car. Let's put my car in the game." <laughs> right, um, right, and that's where the car came from. And so everyone is putting in like their like, <laughs> and then they, they did the art for it. It's ready to go. Just give me a, a cheat code, and, and the programmer can do a cheat code like that in like thirty seconds. He goes, sure. "Okay, type in laser bear, and you'll have it." And he goes, that's "Okay, awesome. got it." And and then and then and then the designers. Uh, we are actually the ones we had the database to assign stats to these things, so we didn't care because we weren't ever going to use these. Sure. So we thought, what do you want it to be like? And we said, we want to do a billion damage to everything with hundred. And we said, sure, whatever. And we put it in. So, so, so that's where all those wacky units came from. Okay. They were literally all from so, some a joke or something, and ninety nine percent of them are from artists. That's awesome. That's up because so then you're, you're in the game now forever. You're timeless. I got the puppy put in the storm dog. Yeah. The guy from Canada put in the laser bear. Yeah. You know, the guy that had a, Scott Winston had the car. He put in his car. He's in stock car racing, right? He wanted to have his car. So all <laughs> those things are from there. I think the giant head of the giant bust of Washington from age three, I okay. think that was actually from Death Trump. Okay. Interesting. Because he wanted to have a giant head of Washington to do things. That's so cool. You're you're basically now in this game with your own little idea, and it's you know you can tell your kids or grandkids like, hey, like type this word in, see what happens. Like I I came up with well, that. I don't know words. Well, maybe <laughs> like yeah, you know, maybe not you, but. <laughs> well, in fact, one of the things, one of the most common things I was I'd be asked all the time is is what are the cheat codes, and I always gave the same answer, which is I'm a designer. <laughs> 
I don't give out cheat codes. Right. Don't You're ruin my product. Play, I want you to play the game the way <laughs> we designed it. So no cheat code for you. If you find it on your own, that's fine, but I'm not going to help. So I never I never did. But there's some cheat codes that really like will make a game add a new whole new dimension to a game. There's a I believe one for AoE 2 that basically allows you to do all of your upgrades like endlessly. So like the the chopping wood 10% upgrade, like you can keep doing it or like I don't know, plus 1 range on your archers. Age 2, I don't remember that one. It could be. I don't so I didn't know every This, every this is from the I don't well, I don't know if this was in the original one, but it's definitely in the definitive edition. I know we had a thing. You push a button, and you all everything will upgrade to the max. That I do know. That was from the original, probably, right? Because the because the original one, it seems to be hard to have a thing that upgraded you constantly. Um, maybe you could do it. Because usually, what would happen? Because I know how the database works to do the upgrades. Because I, I I wrote that entire database, and, uh, and it was it like there's probably a way to do it, but offhand, I'm not. I can't think of it, but of course it's also 20 years ago. Maybe I would have sure. known then. You know what? Another interesting thing for me was, I don't know. It doesn't say that you worked on age of mythology, but to me, it's kind of wild when they released um, a couple weeks ago. I news didn't do very much on age of mythology. No, oh, but did you know? I, I, did, I did some testing or stuff. I didn't suggestions, but two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when they released a bunch of news, you know, AOE four, um, you know, some new expansions to AOE two definitive edition, the comments for certain videos were all of them Age of Mythology remake, Age of Mythology, um, you know, Definitive Edition. Like, th- was that a success in that time as much as the other games? Or like, I, because in my memory, Age of Mythology was not as successful. Okay, here, so here's you got to remember that what we did with Age of Empires one, which did fabulously well as far as we concerned. Right. Okay. Then we did Age two, which was like a world universe changing for us. That was a huge, huge hit. So then, like, th- then we had a discussion that lasted a week about where to go from age two. What should our next game be? You know, uh, and 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 the, and the concerns were real. Like, we were concerned. Okay, should we go more into the future, into like the Renaissance with musketeers and pirates? Is that cool? Who cares about them? Everyone loves the medieval guys. You want to be Vikings. You want to be samurai. You want to be knights in armor. Who wants to be? Who wants to be a, a musketeer? Right? <laughs> who wants to load their gun? Five yeah. <laughs> point. What can we do? Um, so and 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 uh, and so we were like, should we go jump further into the future? It's pretty cool to be in World War Two. Maybe we could do that. There's always the thought of doing a first-person shooter, which the artists always want to do. One of the reasons I got hired is because the artists were secretly hoping that I would do a first-person shooter, <laughs> with them, which I was perfectly happy to do. Sure. But we never got around to it. You never, companies never get around to doing the, a game in a different uh, genre, it turns out. Like, id Software was always going to do a flight sim and never did, you know? Especially so, if uh, they're like, super successful in the thing they, you yeah. know. I mean. so, so, like, so, I, so they were like, and basically we had this big thing, under, we, and we, we were so unsure of what to do that we literally had the whole team vote on the next thing. Really? And, uh, wow, that's yeah, nice and democratic. Won by about five percent, so we did that, wow. and then and half of us did that, and the rest went off and went on to uh, age three. We really didn't know where to go from age two, and it was it was kind of I feel it was a failure of leadership, and I blame the people that are above me because they should either have um, made a decision or they should have actually turned the decision over to the devs and let them make the decision instead of trying to have it both ways. That's very interesting. Yeah. I'm okay with the suits making the decision, you understand. In my entire career as a designer, until I started doing my own games, from 1980 to to 2015 or 2013, 
every game I did except one was assigned to me by someone else. And that's fine. I was able to make up my own, you know. But uh, so they could have made the decision. I'd be okay with that. Or they could have let us make the decision. Obviously, I'm okay with that. But they wouldn't do that. They That's the kind of thing you actually need a command decision, not a group decision. Right. Anyway, that's a, that's we tricky. did Age of Empires 3. And that, or, sorry, uh, uh, Age of Mythology. And of course, kind of we were screwed there because no matter how it did, it was going to get compared to Age 2. And it's highly unlikely we would have another Age 2 because that was... Colossal success. <laughs> that was that was that was like a, a, an amazing thing that you can't repeat, right? So, uh, so we had Asian mythology. Asian mythology total. I mean, it sold a million copies and made money, so it was fine. Uh, but uh, I mean, I did actually look over the, a bunch of the H four videos. This um, was the, the, I, I, this was a big topic. I may, I want to make sure because if if I don't, people are going to absolutely roast me. Um, okay. Let me talk about what I had to say about it. Then let you ask some Please. questions. Yes. What I'm seeing in the videos, and I didn't try to download any devils and play it. Okay. It's not is out that, yet. Is that the, well, I figured I, I tried to download it. I failed, right? <laughs> I thought maybe I didn't look hard enough. Okay. okay. Graphics are obviously good. It looks very similar in gameplay to, to, uh, to age two or, or, or age three. Even I, I know I did notice they only had four sieves. And I noticed they could do things like pack up their armies and move, which made it probably a little more Age of Mythology even. But Age of Mythology did this in strict emulation of StarCraft. We thought it was cool to have sieves that were really different. StarCraft? You mean Red Alert? StarCraft? No, I mean StarCraft. StarCraft. You, the completely, Observe, three completely different sieves. Three observed Protoss humans, completely different sieves. And that's what we were trying to do with Age of, with Age of Mythology. It that is. was what we were emulating. Not that we were emulating their sieves. Yeah. We, have really we also did this in Halo War. Right. We only had two sieves there, but we made them be really different, right? We were supposed to have three sieves, but we never ran out of time to do the flood. Um, so so, so Age of Four has, was fine graphics. Sure, time, it's 20 years later. They better be better graphics. Yeah. You know, looks kind of similar in gameplay. Most of the video I saw seemed to be fluff. That is probably not something that you really do. Like there's a scene where a bunch of knights going down are placed between two forests and the forest guys are waiting to ambush them. I'm not sure that would really work in an age context. Yeah, the fog of war thing is very odd. The fog of war hiding in the bushes is, seems very odd. Yeah, it seems like a campaign war, thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the bottom line for me, and this might be disappointing to you and your fans, is that <laughs> literally zero people that are working on age four are from my original team. Right. So like, why should I care what they're doing with the game? I mean, why would I like that game be more worried about that than I am about Diablo 4 or Halo Infinite or Orcs Must Die 3 or Mozart Requiem? Actually, Orcs Must Die 3 is by my former team, so I care what they're doing. <laughs> so I might like the game as a game, but I don't feel I don't feel like... I understand. I mean, it's not your... You know, I, mean, I guess I could say, well, maybe they're messing up my game. I guess, yeah, but it's not my... It's not my game. It's owned by Microsoft, right? This this probably might disappoint people. Ensemble Studios is gone. And the fact that they put together a team to take our gameplay and our themes and our ideas and kind of reanimate it, like a, it doesn't really excite me that much. Do you remember Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon? Yes. Do you remember when they lost their original team and were completely replaced by new corporate teams? I did not know that's what happened, but that's I believe what happened to them and they were never the same. Right. So H4 might be. H4 won't ever be something that feels like Ensemble Studios. It might be something new and something really good. But, but it will, but you know, it will be, it won't be us, which is fine. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel particularly attached to it or concerned about it because of that. Maybe I should. 
If I may okay. offer a different perspective, if okay. I may offer a different, I guess the reason why I thought you might be interested is, um, you always so talk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've always talked about AOE three, and one of the biggest problems it has was that it was set in a different time that wasn't as appealing to most people, right? That was a yes, right. So from your perspective, you know, when you were making games, there was no remakes, there was no definitive editions. You didn't get a second grandiose chance to fix all your wrongs, right? But now you have no. a g game that you know, you know what. The problems were with AOE three. You know how to successfully, re you know, remaster AOE two because AOE two definitive edition is undeniably a success. So you have all of this wealth of knowledge. Are you interested to, to see if they go down the direction of you know the same time frame as AOE two? Will it be successful? Because if it's not, that gives you a different outcome, which is like, oh, the time frame is no longer one of the biggest factors, or or maybe like you can't even draw that because you're not working on it, right? they're looking at it from a different way. They're taking a game that was a huge success, and they're trying to improve things they think they can improve. I'm looking at a game which was a success, but had had things I didn't get to do in it that I know about that they probably don't know about. Right. You know that that that, uh, that uh, I mean, there's I mean, if they if they want if they came to me and said, "Here's a million dollars, come lead our team," I'd probably be all <laughs> over that like a flash to see what I could. I would hope so. <laughs> and, and I can't decide if they're smart. To be doing age two because age two was the most successful one, or they're, or they're being corporate cowards because because the, what they should what because what they should have done is go on to something new. Maybe they should have done the World War Two one. Do you actually? So this is a thing. I had the developer for the lead developer of AOE two, but his actual story is not uh, that he's a programmer for a big company. He was actually a person that was a big fan of the franchise, and he started modding the game by himself. And he read these mon uh, ma manuals about how to create new civilizations. And he started doing it out of his own comp pleasure, whatever you want to call it, hobby. And they released an update um, Christmas, I don't know how many years ago. It crashed the servers. It was doing so well. Microsoft saw that. They're like, wow, AOE's popular. This guy can, you know, he's created something. And then they hired him. And then he became the, the lead developer. Great. Yeah. So it sounds like they got the right guy. I think that's like the ideal scenario for everyone then. The for the fans yeah. for right, I mean Yeah, I'd probably be the wrong guy because I'd be arguing that we needed to move on to the next thing past age three to keep going. I don't know if you ever saw the art book we did, but the very back of the art book, which had all the art from age two and like that and age three, we did we showed age one character, age two, age three, and we showed an age four and an age five character. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. That was some very that was good teaser stuff. H5 was World War II and H five was going to be uh, space was, stuff. Was science I guess we did because we did the uh, Halo Wars, but uh, I mean there was there was RTS games like the Star um, Star Wars ones that were pretty popular, right? And maybe not to the same extent, but there was Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, we did the engine for that, and we did some playtesting for it. Yeah, those were pretty awesome. So you had proof <laughs> that those games could succeed. I mean, there was there was uh, there Starcraft. Starcraft, sure, yeah, that too. But, but but ours would have obviously been different because one of because like Age of Empires has its feature, which is which is one of them is there's a lot of sieves with various flavors to them. You know, they aren't as they aren't as different as they are in StarCraft, but they're but they're different enough to ha give you lots of different, you know, it's more like a curry than a I, I understand. Oh, you know? Sure. What, so what do you think what, for AOE four? What do you, what is the biggest challenge for them making this game? You know, you're trying to you know reinvent RTS genre. 
in a in a field where there's not really much competition like it, it's kind of I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean RTS has seemed to have not been around very much for a while, which I'm not sure why that is. Um I, I remember when first person shooters started to kind of they're still around, I guess. But I thought for a while there'd be RTS stuff with uh, company heroes and things like that. Kind of we're doing some RTS work. Very um, different, very like very different kind of RTS, but yeah, right. So, so here's the problem they have. First of all, RTSs are no longer at the at the lead uh at, like they used to be, which is not their fault. But the second thing is, so that I think what they're hoping to, to hang their hats on is all the nostalgia and love for the old Age Empires 2, which is why they hired this guy, to make it be as much as possible like the old Empires 2. But the problem is, a lot of those old hardcore guys that play Empires 2 are going to be pre-sensitized to hate everything about this because it's not the same. I mean, look right. at my response. <laughs> guys. Right, right. Like, you know, I care, right? Now, that may not, not that they might like it for different... I mean, so... So they're they're kind of you know it's kind of like like with the Ghostbusters 2016. I mean I hated it, but but even if they'd done it the right way, it it would have got a lot of hate. There's almost no win then. I mean realistically, yeah, it's like almost no win. What they should have done is taken that talent and that money and those actors and done something new. Right. Yeah. If you're gonna fail, fail at something new, right? Fail at something that you created. At least you're not compared to the old thing, right? right? So I can't help but feel that maybe that's what they should have done with the Age Two reboot, unless unless instead of making the definitive ultimate reboot, they just said, "Hey, we we up, we're, it's just Age Two, but we've updated graphics and a little, little bit of gameplay," which is kind of what it looks like they did anyway. So why pretend it's this whole new game? That's that was my take on it too. Like, but that's hard to that's up from a now from a company standpoint. You know, you're trying to sell a new and innovating thing. How can you go to uh, the masses and say, "Hey, this is the same game from 20 years ago. We just made it, you know, crispier." Well, yeah, that's the problem. They're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to say, "Here's a new, innovative game that's exactly the same as this old game from 20 years ago." Right. So they can't, they can't, they can't have both those. They have to pick one, and they weren't able to do it because they're corporate guys who can't make a decision. Because the because if you make a decision, you can be wrong. No way. I've never. And that's and if you're a corporate guy, that's that. It's much better to make a safe decision that fails than a wrong decision. Yeah. And if you made a, a correct decision that wins big, then of course they will. That's okay. But the fear of being wrong is greater than the hope of being right. So I'm really glad I worked myself now, and I can just jump out into the. Yeah, that's that must be nice. One of the things that made Age of Empires two as good as it was actually was our willingness to do that in Ensemble Studios. Because we were doing it, and 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 uh, Microsoft came in and was like being all badass and 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 leaning on us, and we said, and they said, we own this franchise, so you can do whatever we want with it. We said, yup, it's <laughs> yours. We're not working on it anymore. We're going to do on something else and find a new publisher. But we literally didn't do any official work on Age Two for two weeks. Well, Microsoft panicked. Mutually assured destruction, I believe, is what they call it. We wouldn't have destroyed. We could have easily found well, another publisher. Yeah, you're fine, but they have to sacrifice this billion dollar, you know, IP or whatever. Potentially risk this billion dollar IP because you're willing to throw it like to the curb and say, "I'll work on my own thing." Yeah, go ahead, get, get hire a team, do it. Right. Okay, we'll do we'll do something new for some other company. You know, maybe EA wants to hire us. You know, maybe. <laughs> uh, and seriously, like, what about Nintendo? At that time, yeah. actually, probably EA was not as evil as they are today, right? They were they were pretty evil, but not as evil as they are today, no. There were still some guys with spines there. 
um, back then. They, they hadn't quite broken them all. But another thing- other company. Microsoft was Microsoft was not not the only game in town. In fact, it was one of the pioneer games in town with regards to computer games at the time. Interesting. We were we were its flagship product. It had two games that, that were successful: Flight Sim and Us. We were they once came to us talking about how great they were, and we showed them a graph we'd built. We yeah, said, you told me this. Yeah, we're yeah. here is our game on uh, Age of Empires, and here is. All your other games put together <laughs> that are less than half. It, was, it might have been a fifth of what we did. Yeah. And you're telling them, they say, well, that's because of our great salesmanship and our marketing. And we say, then why don't you market your other games? Yeah. Because why is it only us? And they and they had no answer. They were just them mad. And we would go to Microsoft and we'd meet the marketing guys in the hall. And they were angry that we were successful because they didn't understand why. And they were like, why is age so good? And they were, they literally, I'm not sure they actually were trying to torpedo us, but there was so much envy and dislike because we were doing things on our own and we weren't, we weren't kowtowing to the mighty Microsoft that, that has all the money in the world. And of course that's what most of their, their, uh, the companies dealing were doing because they were like so grateful to be owned by Microsoft, but right. we weren't because we knew we had something that we could sell anywhere and we had enough money in our bank that we could afford to do, to be on our own for, I don't know how long, cause I wasn't an owner. But like six months, eight months, a year, I don't know, maybe even a four months is probably enough to find a new publisher, you know? Right. Enough time. Enough time. Go to some guy in France and say, hey, you want to publish our next RTS game? Right. And you don't need to sell people on your, you have the proof that you've succeeded multiple times. Exactly. Exactly. I went back and I watched um, an AOE2 trailer, the original one. I thought that trailer was so brilliant. Um, I had some questions about that because to me it was very interesting that this trailer, the graphics were obviously not related to the game at all, right? And then I watched the AoE 4 trailer, and I'm like, huh, how much of this is going to be related to the game? You know, it, it got me thinking. You <laughs> <laughs> well, we were trying to show off the art. Yeah, you know, the thing is, here's the reason. Because the designers don't want to do the trailer. Okay. Right? And the programmers don't want to do the trailer. So only the artists want to do the trailer. And the, and the suits. So the suits make the artists do the trailer. And so what do the artists do? They put art in. What what would they do? Right. They just go wild. It's like spring break. Uh-huh. <laughs> if they had, if a trailer is being done by designers, then it will talk about the awesome plots and, and the interactions. If it's being done by the programmers, it will show off actual gameplay. And if it's done by artists, it's, it's art. It's, a, it's eye candy. Right. So you didn't have any involvement in the trailer? Oh, I, they, they said, what do you think of the trailer? And I said, this is great. What about, you know, I mean, yeah. Why don't you I show just, the I game like, off? Why don't you, where's the mechanics? Why don't you show some cool? I didn't care. It was Microsoft that was going to do it, right? They were, they were the ones losing the trailer. So I thought the game would sell on the basis of his gameplay. But here's the reason. Because mm-hmm. when I worked at, at, at um, uh, Microprose Studios from 1988 to 1993, where we did Doom and Hyperspace and... F-15 Strike Eagle and Stealth Fighter, that kind of thing. So there I got to meet and be up close with a lot of marketing people. And they were just the the worst. (laughs) They knew nothing about marketing games. They literally thought that, and this is a quote, they thought marketing games is the same as marketing men's socks. That's a quote from them. Okay. And and also with with Microsoft's Neanderthal 
marketing guys, every time they do a box cover or an ad or like a, 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 we'd throw together one in, in half an hour that was better than theirs in every way. But they all, they often wouldn't take ours because, you know, like NIH, right? Not invented here. Uh, but, but you know what your Microsoft ads were. Compared to uh, Apple yeah, ads, yeah, 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 yeah. They were awful, yeah. If, if you're listening to this on audio, you're in for a real treat at that. I'll edit it out. It's cool. No worries. So yeah, the trailer was really interesting to me. I was like, well, this is kind of, you know, they say history repeats itself. I hope, I hope not. I hope this, uh, I really hope AOE 4 is good. I don't know why anyone would I wish hope, that, yeah, I don't. I, I, want game, I want games to be good, not bad. Part of that's because I remember in the 80s, the giant crash of video games with the Atari and stuff. Right. Which, which ruined, companies were going, were going down in droves. And it's because the game sucked. It's a, it was a package. No worries. So here's a fun fact for your for your viewers. Um, a great book about animal behavior is King Solomon's Ring by Conrad Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It's not very long, very readable. He's the guy that discovered that you could imprint on a baby duck so it thought you were its mom. And he ta- he explains why dogs hate the mailman. He says, dogs early on learn that there's some people that come to your house and you let them in. And these are good people that you like. Then there's some people that come to the house that you don't let in. These are obviously bad people that you don't like. You have to be warned about. So who is it that comes to your house every single day and you never, ever let them in? They must be the worst possible guy. (laughs) And you've got to steal that person at the top of your lungs when they show up. they got to be warned. He's bad. And that's why they hate the mailman. Or the the milkman, right? Back in the day. (laughs) It makes perfect sense as the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never... Huh, that's brilliant. I mean, if every time the mailman came, he gave him a treat, probably they'd learn to like him, or we let him inside a few times, but he can't afford to do that with every house on his beat. Right. I think my dog is useless. I think if someone came and robbed my place, he would help them move the TV. Like, <laughs> But if they came to the front door, right, and then fiddle right outside, then he, your dog would bark at him. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, there was, there was another thing maybe you saw in the trailer. Wow. I actually have a snow. I don't know if you have, if you guys have had your Texas snow thing over, but we have snow now. Our Texas snow thing is over. Okay. Although it left after effects that are bad. It may have closed down the best German restaurant in Texas permanently. They lost $10,000 worth of food in the freeze. Jesus. And that's so, making and or I'm break really it for food. I really hope they recover, but it's looking bad for Fritzl's. <laughs> for- <laughs> they did a, they did a schnitzel with um, habanero sauce. How cool is that? That yeah, that does sound. I've heard Texas has really good food. Um, Texas has really good food. The reason we have really good food is threefold. This is for your fans too. Yeah, <laughs> because Texas has three different food. Like a lot of like Iowa has no food traditions, right? I don't. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, California has a couple. There's like fusion, you know, and stuff. Texas has Tex-Mex, which is which is a subdivision of Mexican food. Like you have Oaxacan food and Mexico City food. You have Tex- Texan too, because I mean, there's there, there's Mexicans that have been living in Texas since before the Alamo, right? So why, right? So we have Tex-Mex. We have we have the Texas barbecue tradition, plus the fact that we invented the hamburger, that kind of thing, right? And then we are close enough to New Orleans, we get a, a fair amount of Creole and Cajun stuff influencing us i i think i'm starting to understand why you <laughs> are in texas 
<laughs> that and the low income tax, maybe, but <laughs> we, we, I don't blame we don't you. have we don't have state income tax, which is wonderful. We do have uh, reasonably high sales taxes to partly make up for it, and we have high property taxes to make up for it. Okay. So on the whole, it might be kind of a wash, except for the fact that we don't have to fill in that stupid form to do yeah, state yeah, income yeah. tax. I've seen the governor rip it up, and he's so proud. Hey, you guys don't have to do. Why do I know so much it's, about taxes? Uh, it's glorious. You know, I would much rather have no 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 income tax than no sales tax, which is what Oregon did instead. Because not having to fill up that form is a great convenience. I've heard good things. Or about it might be paying a guy to fill it out because I'm now too old to fill out my own forms. <laughs> I used to do it all the time, but now I don't want to do it anymore. My and my taxes are complicated. I, I I'm get, I get royalties from this, and I get. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm a rich guy, but I have a lot of different things that have to be taken. Into I'm account. pretty young, and I have a tax guy, so I think this is a normal thing. It's so it's not a it's not just an age thing. It's well, just I don't want to waste my time looking at numbers. Years, right? Yeah. yeah, our taxes have not been getting simpler over the years. So that's the tendency to grow. Uh, yeah, no, I had a question. Relic, Relic, I don't want to forget this. In the trailer, I don't know if you saw, there was a moment with a mask. I totally saw the Relic. Boy, I, did, I picked up on that Relic. I was very excited to see the Relic. Okay, I, I, I figured... <laughs> <laughs> I figured you had a bunch of things because like I heard stories that relics, you know, well, not sorry. You actually told me that monks had bigger purposes. Relics had bigger ambitions. Relics used to do different things. Like if you got the relic of the true cross, it did something different than if it was the relic of St. Catherine. I didn't know that. And that went away because there was whiny people in whiny people inside ensemble studios. You mind you not the audience who, <laughs> okay. who didn't like, who, who liked it, who pointed out rightly so that it was unfair because if you get the, 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 the Holy hand grenade, which blows up everything within a 10 tile radius. <laughs> and I get the thing that gives me plus one healing for all my monks. Then this sucks. Right. <laughs> okay. But there was never plans of a mass conversion relic and, or, and stuff like that. How, how wild did these relic things get? All that stuff. And part of the other problem we have was that when we first started doing Age 2, we were still kind of, by the end, we weren't amateurs anymore. But we were amateurs enough that the people who hated being converted by monks in Age 1 were like adamant that monks couldn't be as dangerous in Age 2. And so we put in all these things to make monks weaker. And so, I mean, that, that essentially... I mean, how often do you convert someone in age two? I tried to bring them back with the Aztecs. Right. But the two things that made it hard were that you had to do a lot of research to do it. And monks cost gold. And that was a that was a killer because you have other things to do with your gold. I could be wrong, but I, I do watch a lot of competitive AoE. Myself, I'm not the world's best AoE player, but I think monks are pretty commonly used. Especially there's like a lot of builds that favor monks. In age, in age two? Age two, yeah. They used to heal, though. We use them for healing. Do they use them to convert? Okay, so I don't here, remember that. here's an interesting one, maybe that you don't know of. In competitive play, I believe it's called um, it's called a Huang build. I, I could be wrong here. Uh, basically, you rush an opponent with um, mangonels, with okay. monks, and uh, I think it's either like spearmen or something. But anyways, the combination of those I three can, units I gives you... you working in a rush, because you don't have your, your things built up to defend against it yet. So the reason I think it, I, like I said, I'm speaking probably out of my range, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's the internet. It doesn't matter. That's what you do. The mangonels can take out buildings, you know, town centers, stuff like that. The monks can counter knights and then spears can counter anything else that's like within close range, like scouts, stuff like that. So it's kind of like a mixture of everything. It's not like, you know, it's, it's this unique build. I don't know. I, I feel like 
you would be, you'd be interested in seeing something like that. I am glad to hear that because because that build was not around back in the day. I guess they hadn't come up with it yet, and so monks just seemed weaker to us, and it made me and made me personally sad because I loved it. I also loved the very best explanation I ever saw in Age One, where a guy was on one of the Age of Age of Empires Heaven forums, and he was like. Um, he says, man, those hoplites, they kick butt. How do you stop a hoplite? They're so powerful. What do you do about them? And, and the guy responded. He said, what I like most about hoplites is they're so open-minded and willing to consider other points of view. <laughs> and he didn't tell you. That's all he said. <laughs> and the guy was like, huh? What? And everyone was laughing at him in the forum, right? <laughs> That's awesome. They're so childlike in their faith. <laughs> that was yeah. like the perfect answer. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, uh, I did have, uh, I, I asked you specifically, actually, no, I did want to tell you, maybe you didn't know about this, but there's stories that Blizzard is also working on RTS or the original team that was working on Warcraft 3. Uh, I can send you a link as well if you... Well, I mean, Blizzard has the chops. Actually, it's not, right? sorry, it's not the Blizzard, it's the, the guys that worked on Warcraft 3. So ex-Blizzard developers making an RTS uh, that feels like an evolution of Warcraft 3 and Starcraft 2, which I thought was very interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I I don't know if we're seeing the resurgence of the RTS genre, but... I would love to see the RTS genre respond, return. It's got more subtlety and detail than a lot of other genres. There's so many things you can do in it, um, and so many things to take into consideration. It's, uh, there's a huge number of units, more than almost any other thing. There's so many different factors that go into it. If you have techs or other bonuses, it's just a really. For me, it's my favorite type of game. It's so it's so really, diverse. Yeah, I love RTS games. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, now I'm 65, so my reflexes suck. So I'm not good at them, right? But uh, but I do say that that I was playing Age of Empire uh, two on Steam with my son and my granddaughter, who's like 10. She loves it. Really? You know? That's awesome. Yeah, she has a secret weapon that, that's good, though, because, like, my son rushed her town, and she's 10, so she's terrible. And so her response was really effective. She cried, <laughs> and, and his wife came in and made her ease up on her. So is that... It worked. Is that it got the perfect, perfect you know? counter. <laughs> really good counter. That's a great counter. I wish I could use that when, when I get bullied online. Uh. <laughs> Well, you can try, but to being a ten-year-old girl and having a wife that comes in to defend her was a lot better. So, um, well, I wish. I, look, I'll tell you the truth. I wish Frost Giant and I can't remember the name of the of the company that's doing um, Age Four, but it's not. It's actually a, a sub company of Microsoft. I think it's not them directly. Uh, let me look. Actually, I did want to. Who's making AOE Four? Why is this so hard to find? Wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. It's not that hard. I'll, I'll find it right Thought. here. Relic Entertainment. Wow, that's a great name. Uh, was that them? Oh, wait, no. Am I thinking of three? Yeah. A Relic Entertainment, I believe. What are they working on? Uh, Canadian Vancouver developer... I, I want to make sure because someone's gonna just. Sega's Relic Entertainment. Was I, thought Relic? Was sub, I thought there was a. I thought no. I thought there was a sub company of, um, of Sega that was actually doing it. It was like a. It's like a smaller. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even. Group. I didn't even look to be honest. I don't understand how those things work in in 
video games actually. I mean, I we I never got very deep into the companies with nexted Russian doll companies. I mean, we were I worked for Ensemble Studios and we were bought out by Microsoft, and that was as deep as it went. You know, yeah, for us. Um, I did have one more question. Well, I have. I mean, I could we could do this a thousand times over, and I still have a thousand questions. But <laughs> I had a question about <laughs> Halo Wars. Halo Wars to me was a very interesting project that I feel like no one talks about. It's an RTS game set around a franchise which mostly people that played first-person shooters played on a console. Like it seems so. It's some like a, someone got rolled the dice and, huh? <laughs> Halo Wars was totally on a console. <laughs> In fact, so so here's how did this even how did this come about? Okay, here's how it came about. We we already talked for over an hour. Are you sure you want to do this now? I don't. I mean, to me, I could do this all day. I mean, it's it's always fun. Okay, well, this will be the last thing because I have I have have other fish to fry today. Yeah, if you're busy, that's another story. No problem. Here's the story. What happened is that um, we had two teams, and one of the teams was doing. our our next RTS game, and we were going to do it. And the and the the task was to do it for um, the Xbox. Okay, right. Make an RTS game on the Xbox, which we all knew would be a challenge because, of course, keyboard and mouse is is like it. I mean, it's in the Bible. It's how the you play the holy RTS grail game. of RTS games. Yes, it must be keyboard and mouse, right? So, so that was the first thing. And then the rest of us were finished. We're, we're doing. Uh, I was doing the War Chiefs, and then after that. The the, the uh, space the science fiction game still wasn't done, so we went off and we were doing other projects, which never got done. But there was a lot of different teams doing little projects. Um, mine was actually a gladiator, a monster gladiator a game. With, okay. Uh, but we I'll add that to my list for next time. We t- <laughs> <I'll> add- <laughs> anyway, so what happened is that is that there, so we're doing the uh, the science fiction game, and uh, it's coming along, and it's like Martians are invading Earth, and there's giant monsters and. And this stuff, and one of the Tim Tim Dean and 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 a couple other guys, mostly Tim Dean, sat down and said, "We're going to spend one year and do nothing but perfect the interface so that you can play it as easily and fast on the Xbox as you could on a computer." Wow, that's a massive and endeavor. They t- they totally did it. A year of smart guys do it. Like for example, the way that you like you like you can't drag and, and select with a um with a with a with a, a mouse yeah. with, with a keyboard with a controller, but they made it happen. The way they did it was you'd move your control, your control thing to an area or click on a unit. And then you'd hold the button, the activate button down. And the longer you held it, the bigger the circle would be of all the guys you'd call. Brilliant. Kind of like, yeah, we didn't play at the time. And so you'd get them all and it worked just like dragging and clicking with a key, with a, uh, your hand. You could even make mistakes like you do when you drag and click. Okay. But it lets you control the guys. It was you could you had to hop around between your units. There was a lot of things going on that made it. It was it was a pretty good interface. I'm not sure if it was better than the keyboard mouse, but it certainly was the best interface that had ever been done for an RTS on console. Right. So they did that, and then they had this whole plan going up, and then Microsoft was like, "We don't want another franchise." And then 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 the villains came in, and and the and I was one of them. Okay, we came in and said, hey, why are we doing a whole science fiction game when Microsoft has this Halo license that's huge? Why do we want to make our own weird thing about Martians that has no real future? We can piggyback on Halo. Make the big bucks, and it's the same game. Yeah. Right? It's just, you just all you got to do is change your your, your space marines in, into Spartans. Sure. And, 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 your, and your giant... Um, 
uh, alien elephants into scarabs and all that kind of stuff. So basically people outside the team bullied the team into changing it into Halo Wars. Wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. But then some people on the team, notably the lead, like got... I, like, like, got butt hurt by this. And, oh, it's not my game anymore. It's dead to me because it's not my alien space elephants. It's, it's, uh, uh it's Halo, and so it's not mine. So everything about this is still yours. But, but the, the thing is that, that the lead designer, this is his first job ever as a designer. He'd been a programmer before. He was a great programmer, but he hadn't had experience as a designer. And like I said, and so he thought designers got to make up things like however they wanted. And I did like, like I said, when I was a designer for all those years, you know, thirty years. I, I got to make up the topic for my game one time only, and that was hyperspace, which kind of bombed. But uh, <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have. But so, I mean, now I do it all the time because I own my own company. Yeah, I am yeah. me orders right. But uh, but but yeah. So so he didn't. He I don't think he had the right idea about. He was he was a good guy, and I still like him. But I think that he was a little bit too much artist and not enough craftsman, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So anyway, he didn't want to do the game, and then we started working on it, and then the changeover took time, and there was lots of things going on. And basically, what happened is the game was essentially delayed a year in the various infighting and other things that we did. And my guess is that if we had actually not had all that internal struggle to do it, okay, but in fact done it a year earlier, which we could have done, then Microsoft would have not been in a position to shut us down. Wow, that's as it was. They almost couldn't be because they really wanted Halo Wars badly, and they should have. It sold, I think, three million copies, something like that. So it was a huge hit for them on the Xbox. Um, I don't, but this is the thing I don't understand. It the game, the Halo franchise, is people that enjoy first-person shooters. A console is built not for RTS games. So, like, if you were to go into a meeting and pitch to a bunch of big suits. You would tell them we have an RTS Halo game on Xbox. They're like, who the hell is going to buy this, right? Isn't isn't that the... It's the other way around. The suits came to us and said, you do great RTS games. We want to sell the Xbox more. Do an RTS game for the Xbox. They don't know anything about, about if, it, if, if it works on it. They don't know anything about games. They got That's lucky. Right. They got lucky that it did as well as it did, No. I mean, not lucky in the well, sense... Really, copies is not just, that's like a, that's an actual success. I mean, not, not, no, no, I'm not saying lucky in the sense, like, obviously they knew you were capable of making a good game. They got lucky that there was an audience to even buy this thing on Xbox on... The idea, the idea we had, I think, in our heads was that, is that while there are people that, there are people that are loyal to RTS games... And it, actually, RTS games get a lot more loyalty than shooters do. Like, like if you're playing, if you're a big fan of Quake, and someone comes along with Serious Sam, you will totally switch and try out Serious Sam. You don't care. But if you, but if you're vested in Age of Empires two, you may not want to try Dominion because or Starcraft all or all these other games. Or Starcraft because all your, so that's why they have these wars over which RTS game is the best, or they used to, right? Because you don't want you want people to only play your RTS game and not anyone else's because. That's where your knowledge is. See, you have a similar thing with MMOs. You, have to, you don't have a lot of MMOs you're playing all the time. You have one. And so every other MMO must be bad. because It's because you're also sinking a lot of time into these games, and you don't want to, you know, you don't yeah. want to switch ship when you're 300 hours into a... Sure. The thing is, if I switch ship from, from uh, Age of Empires 2 to StarCraft, like, like I'm a beginner again, but if I switch from uh, Shooter A to Shooter... If I switch from... 
uh, Quake to Halo, it's like the same yeah. skills. I have to learn a couple new buttons, but I know how to strafe. I know what, like, I know what to do. Right. right? It's the same skill set, but it's not the same skill set. Whatever. Anyway, so we anyway they ordered us to do the Xbox game. So this game was always going to be on the Xbox. Interesting. And uh, and so that was that's where that came from. But then it wasn't always going to be a Halo game, and then it became one. And then we ran out of time because one of the things we wanted to do we wanted to have three different sides, just like Age of Mythology. And just like, um, well, for that matter, like StarCraft, right? Yeah. So so we were going to have the humans and the Covenant and the Flood as a third side. And we weren't able to complete the Floods. The Flood are just in there as enemies. And so to make up for that, each of the three, each of the two sides we had had three different possible leaders to give them different flavors. So it was like, it was kind of like a half-assed way. It's the best you could do with the time and the budget and knowing you were going to shut down. I mean, there was there was the there was essentially a year of waste of time in the fighting over, and that was that hurt us a lot, right? So, and you know, you're not going to work on it again, so you're not nearly as motivated as you would be like Age of Empires, where you know, well, especially when the, when we found out that they were going to fire us all after it finished, yeah, and they were like, oh well, we'd, like why our do we motivation care? zero then? Why do we care? And the reason we care is because they're going to give us money afterwards, but they weren't going to give us more money if it sold well. Ah, uh, yeah, they're only going to give they're only give us a severance pay. Right? I got it. We weren't. Like, like so the only reason we cared about it was because our future companies we'd go to and say hey we did halo wars and that's gonna look good on our resume <laughs> uh, but uh, but for you yeah you didn't care you already had like 20 i had age of Empires three we had age right i had woman quake i mean I'm, my resume was golden i could i was able to go I mean, maybe i can't now because i'm 65 who wants to hire a guy in my age group right but i probably still get hired if i wanted to but my resume was so good that uh that they had to find reasons to not hire me. That makes sense. Um, uh, wow. It was an hour and a half. To me, it went in a, a flash. Um, anything that you're working on, board games that I can put at the beginning of videos that I can promote because... Oh, yes. So what we're, are you doing, working on? Uh, we're doing role-playing stuff now quite a bit. And we're coming out with a new thing called Nightmares, which is full of monsters that you can play in, in, your, uh, in your game. Also, I just came out with a game that is actually, in a way, a little similar to the uh, original Martian Invasion game. It's called Invasion of the Brood, and it's about an alien that comes to Mars and tries to invade the Earth. This game is is in print right now. You can go onto our website and buy Invasion of the Brood. Beautiful. One player are the humans, one player are the, are the alien brood from outer space, and they play completely differently. In fact, like, board games have a turn structure. And their turn structures are not the same at all. Like the humans have to do this phase, then they do this phase. Like first they do diplomacy, then they move their units, then they fight with their units, then they build new units. The brood doesn't do any of that. It has points that it spends to do anything it wants in any order. Cool. And a mind control, and it can seize the human units and put them under its sway because it's a mind control monster. And so it's so it's a it's a really 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 asymmetrical two player game, which is often hard to pull off because if you do asymmetrical two-player games often one is better right and probably some advanced mathematical analysis would find out that one of the two sides in this is slightly slightly has the edge but to most people they won't notice right well in the in the playtesting i did it's not noticeable right so uh so we did that we also have um a brand new game come out that's called uh and these are cheap this is like a 29 dollar game also, my most famous game is is uh, Cthulhu. Uh, sorry, Cthulhu Wars. Right? It's the huge hundred two hundred dollar game with all the giant monsters. It's super fun. It has a million 
uh, reviews that love it. So I finally came out and did a game called Cthulhu Wars Duel, and it's two people, and it's Cthulhu Wars, but instead of giant figures, it's cardboard standees, and there's two players on a smaller board, and it's twenty nine, it's twenty five bucks, twenty nine, either twenty five or thirty bucks, and it's and it's the Cthulhu Wars experience, except you don't, except it's a tenth as much. Okay, money. awesome. Yeah, if you have any graphics, maybe you can send me. Like, I want to just put like, even if I put at the beginning of clips, like five seconds. Hey, check out um, Peter is it Peterson.com or SandyPeterson.com. It is PetersonGames.com. PetersonGames.com. Also worth looking at, in my opinion, is my YouTube channel, channel yes. which is San Diego Cthulhu, which has which has, has four different topics, but one of the topics is games and video gaming. Most I, I do have things where I talk about Age of Empires. I have Doom. I talk about all you know, history of games. I also talk about upcoming games, how to play games. Like my most recent thing I put out is how to win a multiplayer game. And it's more of a joke one, right? But, <laughs> yeah. but I talk about horror and movies and all kinds of stuff. I had so, a whole uh, section here, which one day maybe we can get back to, which was board game design. I'm not the biggest board game guy. I played a, a few different games. So one day we come back and we just talk about board games because that's that's a big well, interest. It's hard to do a real-time board game. That's an edge RTS games have over it. But a turn-based board game is super simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, I, I'm a noob. I play, like, Catan and, like, stuff like nothing, Not any crazy, you know? <laughs> is not very hard is not very complicated to play. Its complexity is like maybe a little more than Catan, not much. And it and it tries it doesn't take very it looks like a game that takes 16 hours to play because it's huge. It covers the board. It really is only about an hour and a half with four players, which is not too bad. That's perfect. Yeah, that's that's ideal. It's kind of close. And my attempt to make it more like a real RTS game is that on your turn you can do one thing. Okay. So you like move units and the next guy he does one thing he does a battle the next guy does one thing he summons a unit this guy does one so you're so constantly the going there's no stagnation for someone to finish their turn he's like he's gonna move some units that take right so it's so it's fast moving which is one of the advantages of it i will make sure that you get uh images awesome I, I i'll put some ads and i'll link your channel i mean for me always these conversations are my favorite so thanks again for your time thanks for coming